And the song that the worship team uh, just sang, that Everlasting Father, that is such an important song uh, because that's what we're going to be getting in in just a few moments. Uh, Neil Donhauer and I are going to team teach this morning, and uh, I am so excited because of this whole idea of the Everlasting Father. And don't you love that phrase in the song, uh, you run to me? I mean, don't you love that? Um, This is a strange memory when I think about somebody running to me. It was Marie running to me, begging me, will you marry me? And I'm like, oh, please. No. Uh, When I was 12, uh, first trophy I ever won, I was 12 years old, and we were playing the city championship, and uh, it was the bottom of the seventh. Back in the day, that's all you played was seven. And uh, I'm in center field. My best friend's playing second base, two outs, and he looked at me, because we'd seen it so many times when there's a world championship, and they come running, and we're like, you know, we're going to jump on each other, and... uh, I remember that last out, and I remember him running, and me and him running together, just going crazy. And I thought, it's never going to get any better than this. It's never going to get any better than this. And it hasn't. No, it has got so much better. But I want you to picture that, that whole idea of God, everlasting God, coming to you, running to you, loving you. I mean, what does that mean, everlasting God? How does that apply to Jesus. Now, listen carefully. The Hebrew phrase, everlasting father, this comes from Dr. Ray Pritchard, literally means the father of eternity. Jesus is before, above, and beyond time. He is eternally like a father to his people. So when you read this phrase, everlasting father, in Hebrew, what Isaiah is saying is there is one coming who will have the very same characteristics of your loving everlasting Father, Jesus. What does that mean, everlasting Father? Well, Neil and I landed on this very important text. It's Psalms 103. I'd love for you to turn there, Psalms 103. And we're just going to look at two characteristics of an everlasting Father. The first one is simply this. His forgiveness is beyond measure. His forgiveness is beyond measure. Follow with me the first five verses of Psalms 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Did you catch that? The very first part, verses 1 through 3, uh, don't forget your life. All of us, don't forget where your life was before you came in contact with an everlasting God. B.C., do you remember your life before Christ? What was that like? When you didn't have the love and you didn't experience the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, do you remember what your life was like before the hope of Jesus Christ? And Isaiah is saying there, there's an everlasting Father, and He forgives us of how many of our sins? How many? All of our sins. Now, that's not a get-out-of-jail-free card as far as the consequences of our sins. There are mistakes that all of us have made, and part of life lessons is we have to live with those consequences. But this relationship with God, this amazing relationship... He looks out to us like a father, and he pulls us in like a child, and he says, I forgive you of 
everything. So many people cannot accept that. He redeems us. I love that word. He redeems us from the pit. Now that word redeem, here's some words that uh, synonymous with that. It's retrieve, regain, recover, reclaim. I love that. He's doing everything he can to have the right relationship with us. There's only one thing that separates us from the forgiveness of God. It's we can't forgive ourselves or we just have sin in our life and we won't let go of it. Because what does sin more than anything else do? It separates us from God. I read this quote by Jim Elliott. And he said, what a brutish master sin is. Taking the joy from one's life leading one onto a rotten plank over the mouth of the pit. When you're separated from God, that's a great way to describe it. You're on a rotten plank and you're dangling over this pit. And when we deal with hurt and struggle and unforgiveness in our life, that's exactly where we are. We're in this emotional quicksand. I mean, I think he hit it right on, the psalmist, when David wrote, it is a pit, but God can pull you out of the deepest, darkest pit. And then look at verse 5. He wants to renew us like what? An eagle. I love it that in Scripture that's mentioned 30 times, an eagle. How many here have ever seen a, a bald eagle fly? Anyone? That, that is just, that's like a, that just stops everything. Like when you watch that and there's just something, there's just an emotion. Marie and I were uh, in Alaska last year and... Uh, it's just so common. Like we were in Anchorage, it's just so common. They say, oh, there's another eagle. Like, you know, we'd say, well, there's a cardinal, you know. And I, I'm like, oh, my land. I just, everybody's running to the, like in the bus looking out. And this is the way that they soar. It's no accident that he wants us to think about God freeing us, forgiving us, and that he wants us to soar. You know this scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not grow faint. What pit are you in, some of you, right now? And you just need to experience the soaring energy and love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I pray that all of you know that. He wants to take you from whatever pit you're in, and he wants you to actually heart sore. Can you imagine that? But that's exactly where he wants us, all of us. And then I'd like to drop down to verse 12. And I'd really love you to pray and think about this one verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from sins. Now that had to be, in their minds, hard to comprehend that he forgives us and loves us that much, as far as the east is from the west. Now here's something, I was uh, thinking about this, and I, I'd read uh, some commentary on this, and I thought, boy, that is something I had never quite thought about, that when David wrote this, and when Isaiah then went on later to write about the world, what did they think the world was? flat. So they couldn't picture he's got the whole world in his hands. They didn't think about, you know, here, I just thought this is a perfect day to talk about this as we're here worshiping in the round and we think about our world. But that's not the world that they imagined. 
they were imagining not so much a world where there was a North Pole and a South Pole. So when he said, as far as the East is from the West, I want to share with you what I think probably stuck out in their minds. So I need a little help here. We're going to start here on the East side. And will you hold that? It's a lot of pressure. Okay. So on the holiest of days, when the high priest and the whole assembly would gather together in the temple, uh, the first thing that the very the priest would do is he would go over to the altar of sacrifice and he would actually take the blood of a lamb. And then he would actually step it off. Let's pray this doesn't catch on fire. That'd be a great way. And he would step it over. Heather, can you come over here to the Holy of Holies? Yeah, You don't hear that request every Sunday, do you? Okay. And then he would actually go to the Holy of Holies and he would step all the way from the east and come all the way to the west. And you all know the story of the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go behind the curtain. And he would represent the entire nation. And he would cry out atonement for all of their sins. Now here's what's interesting. If they wanted to, they could actually measure the steps from the high priest from the west all the way to the east. And what he said, the psalmist was, here's how God loves you and forgives you. You can't even measure because this goes on forever. That's for all of us here today. That's how much he loves you. His forgiveness is as far as the east is from the west. Now, I can't even comprehend that. And there's one other thing I can't comprehend. I can't comprehend how much he loves us. And that's what Neil's going to come up and share with you at this time. So, um, thanks, John. Glad you didn't choke anybody with that. <laughs> In uh, 1928, this was prior to the Depression, <clears throat> there was a girl born named Marianne Bird, and she was born severely disfigured. She had a severe um, cleft palate. Her speech was garbled because of it. Her face, everything was, was a mess with Marianne, and that was at a time when it was pretty tough, and later on throughout her life, she had to undergo some 17 surgeries because of it. And so she talks about this in her memoirs. And as she was writing, she said, it was okay for a while until I hit school age. Because once I hit school age, then the comments came. And I started to hear the whispers and I started to hear the tearing down of who I was. And over time, I just became to believe that I was hated and I probably was going to hate too. That was until I hit the fourth grade. And in the fourth grade, there was a teacher, her name was Mrs. Leonard, and every year she would do this hearing test, and the hearing test went like this. Mrs. Leonard would sit at her desk, and we had to stand behind the door, put our ear against the door, and then she would whisper something to us like, the sky is blue, and we had to whisper it back. And so I was always the one to go last, as she described, because I, I, I didn't want to be around people. And so as I stood at the door and I listened, I heard words that probably God put in her mouth. There were seven words that changed the course of my life. So when I put my ear to the door, I heard Mrs. Leonard's voice say, I wish you were my little girl. And then I heard myself repeat that back. And as I repeated it back, I believed it. And so Mary Ann went on to, to do incredible things. She was a, an author and she wrote in her memoirs, uh, about this experience, which eventually made it to the Reader's Digest. 
And as I read that story, I thought, there, you know, there's, there's so many whispers in our life that go on that we eventually, if we hear it long enough, we believe it. I know when I was in the, when I was in the fourth grade, I remember a whisper from a teacher. It was Mrs. Dilger, and I was being an idiot in the library. <laughs> I was just being an idiot. I know I was. And I remember this whisper in these five words, and she said to me, five words, what would your mother think? <laughs> and the, the, reason that, the reason that that resonated is because just a few months prior to that, and I've shared this with you all before, a few months prior to that, during the summer, my father had died tragically in an accident. He was 36. And I also remembered that his father died when his father was 35, and Throughout life, it was just like the men were just disappearing. And so that meant something to me that she said, what would your mother think? Because I remember stopping and thinking like, oh my gosh, like, you're right. Like, my mom's going to need me. And she's going to need... So it was, it was piercing in a, in a good way. And that whisper was important to me because later on when I was 23, when I came to bump into Jesus Christ and became a follower, I, I recognized that whispers are important. And, it, and I started to recognize, too, that there's some evil whispers out there. In fact, in Ephesians 2.12, it says this, you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the sons of disobedience. And I, and I came to realize and know and understand that 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 whisper is going to come from the evil one, and it's going to come strong, like with Marianne. And you better get ready for it, because the whispers are going to come there. And that whisper for me was abandonment. And I still hear that whisper, I'm telling you, because I wasn't sure who's going to go next, including me. And so I still wake up at times in the middle of the night, and I'm... I don't know what I'm processing, but I know I'm feeling something. And so I go to God's Word and I read letters from Dad because it's important to hear from our Father, right? There are many things that have been written about a father wound. In fact, if, if you look and you, and you just search that out, you're going to see a flood of books. There's one by Kathy Rodriguez, The Healing of the Father Wound. And in in the book, she says this, a mother teaches her daughter how to become a woman. A father teaches her she is a woman. A father's acceptance is absolutely essential to the child's forming a positive self-concept, and the evil one is ready to use this shame grid to his best advantage. If he can keep us focused on our wounded, inadequate selves, we're unable to see what God through Jesus Christ has created in us. So when we look to our Creator, to our Father, our everlasting Father. He can set us straight about who we are, made in His very image. And so, many of you today would say, you know what, I've got a father wound. My dad wasn't around, or my, my dad wasn't much of a dad, or my family wasn't much of a family, or, and, and trust me, I, I understand what you're going through. And so does everybody in the room who has some form of wound that they're, that they're dealing with. The, the Heavenly Father's voice, His whisper, 
is the way through. It is the way through. And I love hearing things like this or reading letters from dad like this in 1 John 4.4. You are from God and have overcome them. Overcome them, whispers. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And you've got to keep believing that. You've got to keep knowing that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And that is, that is the way through whatever it is, fill in the blank, whatever your wound is. For me, it's abandonment. So when we've been talking about this series, right, this name above all names, it's been great to get to know these names because we see God in different ways and at different times in our lives. Wonderful counselor means a lot. And at times, Prince of Peace means a lot because we don't feel peace. And this morning, as we look at Everlasting Father, that's a name that we can count on, right? I always feel bad because we didn't think about names when we named our children. So we later discovered that our son, um, his name, Corey, means hollow. <laughs> and our daughter, Mallory, is unfortunate. <laughs> I'm so sorry, kids. Like, I, I had no idea. And I, it, you know, the only thing I can say is, Thank God they both know Jesus Christ because their names have risen so far above and now they mean filled and blessed, right? Through God. So think about that because our identity in Him is not found in whatever our earthly name is. It is how God sees us in the heavenly realms. You know, when my son was, was growing up, I, I really wanted to be there and, and be as involved as I could to be to be a dad, I was learning how. Like I had to learn how to be a dad. And so he played baseball, and I was constantly trying to do things with him like coach. And so coach for many years with him. And I remember one year specifically, we had, uh, there was a kid on our team. His name was Colin. And I think some of you, I've, I've shared this story before. And Colin, w w there was like a smile etched in his face. It was just never not a smile. He was great at smiling not so great at baseball. And so we tried to help Colin by putting him in a position where he could, he could thrive. And he kept coming back every year saying, or every week saying, coach, when can I pitch? I'm like, well, we need some practice. So later on in the year, as the season went on, we, um, we were ahead in a game. I don't remember what the score was. And, and I was sitting there looking at Colin and with a big smile. And I'm like, must have been from God. I don't know. Let's put Colin in a pitch. And like, let's put Colin in a pitch. And so I said, Colin, next inning you're going to go in. So he's like, great. Grabs his catcher, goes to the bullpen, and is sort of learning to pitch as he's getting ready to go in, right? And so we get to the game, and it's going on. A couple of kids hit, but more kids walked, okay? It was one of those, and you've been to those games. After a while, I was kind of looking around. I thought, okay, I need, to, I need to go talk to Colin. So I get out to Colin, and I'm like, okay, dude. Man, great, great effort. But look, listen, Colin, I'm not sure I think this is working out. So we're going to have to make a, we're gonna have to make a switch. And it was the first time I think that I'd seen Colin's smile not be there, and his head went down. John keeps reminding me I'm going through menopause, and I'm not sure... <laughs> So I look up, and he looked up, 
And he looked past me, and he saw his dad. And his dad was behind the fence going, just cheering like Fred always did. And he looked at me and he said, well, my dad thinks I can. I said, I don't care what your dad thinks, you're stinking, you're out. No, I, I, I promise I didn't say that because I was like, I said, you know what? I, your dad's pretty smart. I, I don't remember. I left him in. I don't remember what happened. I don't remember if we won or lost. But what I remember is that my dad thinks I can. And that is our everlasting father. And as you leave here this morning, as you walk through whatever whispers you're facing, your dad thinks you can. He knows you can because he's in you. And that's the thing I want to end on because in this scripture that Isaiah prophesied about, and he talks about wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Here's what I want you to think about. And what I've come to know about God is this, that he is neither man nor woman, that God is spirit. He is ever-present. He is everlasting. He is and runs through us. So here's what I want you to think about. Everlasting Father is you, is me. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, His promise to us is, my spirit will be with you and in you and of you and through you back to me. And that prophecy that came through the Christ child is running and passing through you and I today in the acceptance of Jesus. Because he said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In fact, I'm going to be in you. And at those times when your conscience is telling you, hey, go do this or don't do that or say this or love this way or serve this way. That is God's promised Holy Spirit. And so everlasting Father is just passing through you, is just passing through I. Pay attention and listen for His voice and listen for His whispers because what He wants to do in your life and through the moments of brokenness like Marianne or Colin or fill in the blank is immeasurable and you don't know where that's going to go. And that's what Doug talked about this morning. And that's faith. So listen for the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Listen for His voice. The everlasting Father is everlasting. And He is everlasting through you. What an amazing concept. What an amazing thing. What an amazing God that we serve. So as you leave here, just keep remembering that through this this season, you know, it's, it's great. We're celebrating, and we're going to celebrate tonight. It's going to be awesome. But just keep remembering, God is working. He's constantly at work. I'm going to pray with us, and then we're going to, we're going to shift to uh, the Advent candle. Um, and we're going to take communion in a minute. And I was thinking about it this morning that what's interesting about being in the round is that this circle, and you've heard this many times in weddings, right? It, it doesn't end like the string doesn't end east to west. The circle doesn't end. And one of the things that Jesus taught is keep remembering. When he, had, when he was with his disciples, he said, keep remembering me and keep remembering my sacrifice like a circle because it is unending as the Father is unending. 
And so as you take communion, that's what we do. We keep remembering the circle of love of Jesus. And so we're going to do that in a minute. I'm going to pray with you, and then we're going to, we're going to light the, the Advent candle. Father, we are so grateful beyond words that, that what whispers we hear have already been overcome. The whispers that we hear through your word, through your spirit, through your guidance, through your wisdom are immeasurable. And we only and can only feel filled up. And that our names can only become what they are because of the blood of Christ. And so as we take communion this morning and we go about our day, help us just to hear, to pay attention to the everlasting Father, the name above all names that we are so grateful to worship it within this morning. In Jesus' name.